What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Literally No Subtext podcast. This episode is an interview with my ENTP brother, Cameron. It is simply the exact audio file taken from a video that I recently released on the channel in which I interviewed Cameron about what it's like to be an ENTP, his cognitive functions and various other questions that you guys asked us. So thanks for tuning in and I hope you enjoy the episode. What is up? This is my dear friend and brother, Cameron. He's and God. <laughs> He's joking. Cameron's an ENTP. He has notably appeared in some of my videos. He was in the hotel video. He was in the um He loves being clicked at. It's one of his favorite things, isn't it? That's I, like, I do like it. The vacation video, he was one of, he played one of my siblings in the video. He's been a great uh, supporter of the channel. And uh if we could all give him a round of applause. Prostrate yourselves if you find it Okay, helpful. you are clearly acting up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He doesn't usually say stuff like this. Normally, he's actually like quite a loving soul, aren't you? Yeah. Quite a sensitive, vulnerable type. Always me. So... ENTPs don't think that you can't be. You know? <laughs> we can do that. It's helpful. Use that FE. Um, it's only helpful when you want something from the tribe. Isn't yeah. that right? It is super helpful in that regard. You're correct. So these questions you guys submitted on Instagram and YouTube, the idea is that this is an opportunity to get to know the thought process of an ENTP. Cameron doesn't, I guess, know as much about MTI. Yeah, that's true. But the idea is that, uh, you know, we'll be able to understand more about the cognitive functions just from listening to him talk and answering questions about what it's like to be him. So let's jump straight to it, shall we? I think that's a good idea. Are, are you excited? I am. This is fun. I'm Ex having fun. Explain your feeling of excitement. <laughs> <laughs> really I... engaging that FI tricks yeah. straight. Question number one. Cleo Ross asks, what stereotypes about ENTPs do you find false slash annoying? Well, I think obviously, you know, straight up, just the the classic that we just debate everything just for the sake of debating because that you know paints us in a very like confrontational light and i mean to some types i'm sure that we do seem confrontational because you know i've had experiences in my life where my friends or people that i'm talking to are like well like chill out like why are you asking me that stuff you know but i need to know that you're that you know what you're talking about you know, and that's how I find that out, mm, you know. Yeah, we and then the other 15 types perceive that as confrontational. I, I, I don't try to sugarcoat, like if someone says something and then, you know, doesn't back it up or anything, I will ask, oh, like, why do you believe that? Or mm. like, why do you think that, you know? Mm. And that can be, if they haven't thought it through there, especially, I think, mm. then they might take that as more confrontational because it's asking them to explain something that they don't really know. Mm. But that's why I do it, you know? Yeah, it's not I because... I want people to know, I want to know that they know what they're talking about. It's not because you want to change their mind. Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, like, sometimes I want to change people's minds if I think their views are dumb. <laughs> but, like, it's not the main drive. Find so that's that. what I find out annoying. Yeah. You find it annoying. Yeah. But not necessarily false. Because you, you do tend to debate. I can vouch for that. Yeah, I mean, I debate. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of other stereotypes, I don't actually know if there are any other No, legitimately. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, well, I guess, like, terrible person. <laughs> okay. Like, mean and trolling. And yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, the trolling thing, I mean, I can't really find that annoying because, like, it is true. Like, yeah. sometimes I do that just for the amusement, you know. Especially if... This is bad. But, <laughs> but like, especially if, if, if I know that it's going to annoy someone. Like, one of the funniest just images in my mind is someone walking with like a stack of papers or documents 
and then just like knocking them out of there. <laughs> like I just find that so funny, even though it's like a horrible thing. Mm. But it's just even if that happens to me or yeah. stuff like I that. Yeah, I think I actually stuff. did that in one of my skits. I had the ENTP do that to. Um, yeah, I think you did actually. Yeah, yeah and I, I think I took. Laughing. Yeah, and I yeah. think I took it from inspiration from you because I'd heard that you found that. Yeah, yeah. I take a lot of ENTP inspiration from Cameron. As as should everyone, I think. Here we go. Everyone should take inspiration from me, just in all regards. You know, mm. not just ENTPs. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that's actually that would actually be good for humanity. Yeah. You, know? you like inspiring people. Yeah. Tell me what it feels like to inspire <laughs> Get me. out of here. <laughs> Zveni asks, what makes a conversation enjoyable for you as an ENTP? There are a few things, chief among which would be just openness to ideas and the other person giving their ideas and just being like idea bouncing boards, you know, for each other. But also I find conversations very interesting when someone's telling me about something that they're passionate about, you know, especially something that I don't know that much about. With the exception of sport, just because I don't really... I don't really care about sport. I care about the statistics behind sport, if someone knows a lot about that, but the actual game itself, mm. with the exception of tennis. But you say you like when people are passionate about things, listening to them talk. Mm. What about when they're talking from pure passion and it's just about their feelings, but there's no, there's a whole bunch of logical fallacies, contradictions, inconsistencies, right. and they speak purely from passion. I struggle to engage with that on the same level because it's, I don't feel like it's something that I have any right to jump in on, mm. you know? If someone's talking incredibly passionately about something from a purely emotional standpoint and they're just saying their thoughts about something, like the way that they feel about something, yeah, I'll struggle to engage with them on that level. Some part of me enjoys that still. Like gets enjoyment out well, of it. Well, because as an EP, you'd be like, oh, well, good for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good for you. Very yeah. much. Very much so. And, um... Yeah, I was going to say something else, but... I interrupted. With any doms, the key is <laughs> yeah, to interrupt, yeah, yeah. because yeah. otherwise you'll never get your point in. So. <laughs> the interruption does get the thought train right off the tracks, but it's fair. <laughs> you're like, you yeah. Lily Flynn asks, what is your relationship with Myers-Briggs? Do you find it useful or not, and why? So my initial reaction to Myers-Briggs, I think Jenna was the first one that yeah. really mentioned it. So our sister mentioned it at first, and I was like, oh, that's new. That's that's novel, you know, any. It was different from like, am I going to offend people by bringing up astrology? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't place any stock in astrology. I'll, I'll stay with that. Other people can. I'm not trying to say that you shouldn't. But... <laughs> yeah, this one seemed to have like at least some backing in reality and, you know, Pseudoscience or pseudoscience. Well, just observable data. Observable data. Like yeah. not linking it to the stars For sure. or the moon. Yeah, or the definitely. Moon yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, uh, yeah, linking no it to the to human anyone. brain, which exists yeah. and is like, you know, because the moon and stars don't exist. So, <laughs> so, so, you know, the human brain and like the way, and it helped, really helped me understand a lot of the people in my life, especially a lot of S's, um, who at the time I didn't know were S's and I was always kind of like, something's what? missing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, you're just a bit, you're a bit... I was a teenager, right? So, like, I was just like, yes, you're just not... You're not on the same level. Not, you know, like, I can't, I can't relate to you in the same way that I can with with ants, you mm. know, even not knowing that they were ants at the time, but... Mm. Yeah, we love perpetuating yeah. that stereotype. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that since discovering it and looking it over, I can identify with S's more. And you're And I understand S's yeah, more. Yeah. SP's. I should clarify and say SPs because SJs can just 
joking. I'm joking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah SJs, I still kind of struggle to to really understand. Them. Understand. I understand them. I understand where they're coming from, and I understand why they say and act the way that they do. But it's just so different from the way that I act and think that I can't like identify with it. Mm. You know. Like, I can, I can understand why they think a certain way and why they act a certain way because things are important to them in different ways and, you know, SI or whatever. Mm. But, um... Do you need to identify with someone to be able to appreciate their energy or what they're saying or their personality? Do you have to identify with No, them? I, I don't, like... I mean, I think on a, on a close level, yes. But, no. I mean, like, I, I have a few SJ people in my life. A few. A few. A few. But <laughs> but they right. you know I still like them they're mm. cool they're fun and they're they're good to engage with but it's just I can't engage with them on the same level that I could with say an ENFP or like mm. a, mm. another ENTP or an ESTP mm. or an ESFP even probably because Cameron literally his ideal vibe is like he can sit in a, a chair for three four hours just discussing concepts and for an S J or an S in general, probably they would get drained or disinterested by that kind of stuff. So mm. that's probably what you mean. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Yeah. That's what I mean. No, no, no. All good. Yeah. I just thought I'd. Yeah. No, no, no. That. That's good. <laughs> you got all these Eddie ideas floating around. Gonna tie that down. Yeah. <laughs> so to sum up, you like MBTI because it helps you to understand people. A tool for yeah. understanding. Yeah. Definitely. And it helps me understand myself a lot more. Yeah. That's what. I've got to use that NI to rein in the any and bring it to some conclusions, which mm. I will be doing in this interview. So. That'll be helpful. Question three. I'm a fat, fat llama asks, what's your position on free will and how do you deal with it? <laughs> My position on free will as in non-determinism? Take it as you will. Okay. Free will, I think, exists. And I think it's important to believe it exists because determinism to me, is just, like, super depressing. You know, like, everything that you do is has been preordained and is going to lead you to your path in life. And I understand that some people, SJs, might be, <laughs> might be like, oh, that, you know, that that's great, because now this is where I was always meant to be, you know, stuff like that. And I can understand how that to some people might be... I was joking with my SJ comment, by the way, SJs. Love you guys, you're great. Um, but... What was I saying? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's important for me to believe that free will exists for my own peace of mind. To be able to have the freedom to bounce between ideas or, or hang out with the people that I want to hang out with or do the things that I want to do because I want to do them in that moment, you know. Not in a hedonistic way, but just like having freedom to control and live the, your life the way that you want it. And also it's like, like, isn't that just boring? You know, like believing in determinism where everyone's just like kind of on their track and they just they just go like if that's the way that the world actually works i'm glad that i don't know that yet mm. you know yeah do you think it's easier for you to believe in a possibility that hasn't been proven because of your ne as opposed to other types who would need to really deep dive to believe and like lose sleep over it to really believe that free will exists do you see what i mean you're kind of like, well, I can believe that this possible, and I'm happy with it just being a possibility. I mean, we have proof of free will. We're going to go down a weird path here. I wouldn't say that we have proof of, like, anything, you know. We've had this discussion before. Yeah. But, but with your NE, it's probably easier to believe in the stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, happy to just accept, yeah, that's a possibility yeah. I don't need. Possibilities is, like, my bread and butter, <laughs> you know. 
things could be a certain way, they could be another way. I went into an existential crisis the other day when I was rejoicing over Easter during the Easter vigil at church. And I was like, it's just so beautiful that Jesus loves me and like chose me and like he would, you know, he would have died for just me. And he's like, oh, you and, and you know, probably the other cycle of humans <laughs> yeah. that existed in the universe before you. And I was like, no, oh no, we're the only cycle of humans. And he's like, it could be. Yeah. It could be. Okay, yeah, great. But it could be that there was a whole other universe of humans. Yeah, yeah. And then he's just like, duh, 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 duh. and I was <laughs> yeah. like. <laughs> no, but the thing is, these questions don't change anything. There's no need yeah, to. Yeah, it doesn't change our faith. Yeah, it's just, it doesn't change anything. It doesn't change mm -hmm. the way that you look at your life. Does it? It's just a question. Mm -hmm. And it's like, hey, what about, there could be lurking outside our stratosphere some gigantic cosmic horror that could de that could devour the world in a nanosecond there could be and it's just invisible warning. it's just completely invisible but you know who cares if there is you know because we can't see it so we don't know it's there and if it did devour the world in a nanosecond all of us would simply cease to be so it wouldn't make so it wouldn't cause a difference in anything enjoy sleeping tonight <laughs> yeah i probably sound like bat Joy asks, what makes you feel appreciated? Two of the biggest things are someone just being open to hearing ideas, you know, or hear me speak. Because I have a tendency to rattle on. Just being open to it, asking, you know, even if it's just like novel entertaining or like token entertainment of my ideas, you know, of just being like, oh, that's what do you mean by that or just asking questions even if it's like i say something and someone's like that's really ridiculous like explain that you know that'll that's better to me than someone just being like well obviously this is better but someone being like oh like yeah whatever i'm like shutting it but like but like yeah actually taking the time to like to like <laughs> to like absorb the idea and um entertain it you know and especially when they throw ideas back at me like throw throw whack concepts back at me some of the best conversations i've ever had some of the best times i've ever had have just been you know chilling with mates on a lawn or a bench somewhere just talking about whack stuff you know and then i'll say something whack and they'll be like whoa and then they'll, they, they'll say something whack and i'll be like whoa you know so good. what if the beast that hypothetically is going to devour us outside the stratosphere is part of the ninth dimension <laughs> you're just throwing in random <laughs> you're just throwing in random ambition Alyssa Colella asks how was it like growing up with your siblings a house of an ENTP ESFP ENFP and ESTJ sounds like fun very broad question mm. you're kind of bread and butter I would say in a lot of ways it was it was a lot of fun you know because there were four of us and when when we were growing up, we played a lot of video games and stuff, like Nintendo 64, GameCube, stuff like that. And so having four of us, that was something that we could enjoy and like kind of bond over. We shared a lot of interests growing up, I think. Mm. Or maybe we were forced to, but... Well, we always played together. We played Lego yeah, we together. Put, yeah, Lego we played and a whole bunch. Together. Yeah, yeah, we definitely. created games outside together. Yeah, we played yeah, outside. Yeah. We did swimming classes together. Together? Oh, you three did, yeah. I was too young. Yeah. I was too young to be included in the <laughs> terrific trio. Uh, Woo! <laughs> yeah, it was it was fun. And then growing up, you know, like they get into teenage years. I'm still an adolescent. As an adolescent, you grow up and you're like, why is why are they changing? You know, what's going oh, on? True. What's going on? Interesting. Um, yeah, but then you realize that that's just life. 
and that's just living. What about type-wise? Type-wise. I mean, Jenna and I, when I was when I was growing up, Jenna and I, I think would I would would have described her as my closest out of the four, out of the three of you. I mean, Ryan and I had like the gaming thing um, go on, but like outside of that, there wasn't really like a connection in the same way that there was with me and Jenna. You and I would play outside. Yeah, yeah. Kring and King. Yeah, 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 and that was fun for me because like I I, I had the opportunity to like exercise my NE. Which no. I didn't know that I was doing. And I was just like, SEU. Yeah, yeah, but I was outside and we were moving around, you know, stuff like that. Clayton Painter asks, which is harder, starting projects or finishing them? Finishing them. 100%, Seems without a doubt, finishing them. Starting things is super easy. To start a project, all you really need to do is have just the general idea that you want to try something and then an opportunity to try it. Drawing, writing, you know, art of any description. Gaming, hanging outside, you know, hanging outside. That's barely a project. <laughs> I'm just a listing project. hobbies, you know, crafts, stuff well, like that's, that. Well, you've touched on something true there. You think of projects as hobbies. That's like the EP spirit. You do them when you want to, when they're, yeah. when they're exciting yeah, to you. Yeah, so finishing... And afterwards you're like... Oh. Yeah, so in that same vein, finishing them is is difficult because of that, right? So you, you start something and you're like, oh, I mean, I've been writing a book. Yeah. <laughs> Since, since I was 14 <laughs> and I've, I've rewritten it like three times. I've now like changed it into like an anthology type deal and I'm not going to get all into that but it's always, especially, actually no I will get all into that, <laughs> especially like with a book or like a, like a large project, you know, that takes you ages. As you grow you get better ideas for that project. So you go back, you revise, you rewrite or you redraw or you change something here and then you're like, oh that's good and then you grow a bit more. And you, your time is taken up by other stuff, and then you go back and you change more stuff, and then it's, it changes just constant, consistently, and eventually you, you're just writing or doing thirty percent of the thing over and over again, without ever making it to a hundred. You know, because you're just you're like, oh, this would be a better thing, like in this area. To finish something, it takes a level of going past the initial like spark or the initial yeah. entertainment. Takes discipline of it. and like a grind. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's very hard as EPs. I don't know actually so much about TIs, but EFPs for sure. Like, we really go with the whims of what we feel like doing. So if we don't feel like it, it's like so hard to finish it. Beena Turtle asks, thoughts about commitment and boredom? Well, boredom is the enemy. <laughs> the enemy. In all regards. You gotta entertain yourself. And that's what's good about having NE as a dominant. Because... Even when you are bored, you can just enter the mental world and just live there for a little bit. And that, that, that wears down over, over... Five seconds. You know, like if you're forced to do it for hours, then it's kind of, it can get bad. Or it can get more fun, you know? Which I remember risky. there was one time I was in the my eye surgeon waiting for like three hours, four hours. And I couldn't see because I had my, my eyes were dilated and I had my contact lenses out and I didn't have my glasses with me. And so I was literally forced to just sit there and just not be able to see for three hours and just listen to the world around me and just see vague shapes and colours. And I was like, what's going on over there? You know, <laughs> I was trying to piece that like, together. I love this. Yeah. And I always had at the back of my mind, like, this is still boring. You know, <laughs> like you are still sitting down, but try to shut that out, you know, with the, with the imagination and let that run wild. And then that. That helps, you know, and it helps with my writing as well, because then I take some of the ideas that I get from that and I chuck it in a story, you know. It all ties together. Indeed.
Yeah. Mm. Mm. MJR asks, I want to hear him talk about his FE. I think that ENTP's FE is underappreciated. Broad. Love it. FE is... I agree. I think that it's underappreciated, especially by, you know, ENTPs themselves, especially younger ENTPs. I know I, I didn't value it as much when I was younger, because I was like, Logic! Facts! Who cares about feelings? Your feelings suck! But it is really important and super helpful for any, any ENTP to develop their FE, and it's not something that people, I think, think of when they think of an ENTP. They think about the confrontation really? and <laughs> they think of the, the confrontation and the debating and everything else that goes with that, you know, just like, oh, feelings mean nothing, facts or nothing, you know. Like in a, in a group setting, having the ability to read a room, basically, that's how I really view it, Effie, is read the room, read what people are feeling, cater to those feelings. And then, you know, the manipulation function or whatever. <laughs> but not necessarily negatively. Like, if you read that someone else is, is feeling down, you can manipulate them into feeling better, you know? Mm. It's not always just manipulating people into doing mm. what you want them to do. Mm. Um, it's why ENTPs are known as being... People think they're the debater at all costs. They will want to get their point across and change people's minds. But I really, I think of that more as like it actually, like an ENTJ stereotype, because an ENTP, they're one of the types who is who are known as being really charming as well. They are always aware of how to pick up the room, make jokes, entertain, switch on that party mode. I often look at like ENTPs, Cameron included, and I'm like, how did you read that that the way to charm that person was so drastically different from how to char charm that person. Mm. Like, you have an ability to read what the person needs and wants in the moment, which is what I don't have. My charm for one person could easily offend another person. But for you, your emotional experience is tied to the tribe. You naturally match the energy and what the tribe needs. And so ENTPs can be really, like, socially savvy. It's why they don't actually hurt people's feelings the way that they're portrayed sometimes in the stereotype, because they're able to read, okay, this person isn't actually responding well to my questioning, I'm just going to leave this. Yeah. As opposed to the other types with, you know, NIFI who will be like, I need you to change your mind, this is what matters, you know, who use TE and it's like their point or their values or whatever it is they're arguing at the expense of the harmony of the tribe. Emotional experience separate from the tribe. Yeah, just definitely. have to take over that one. No, 100%. <clears throat> we have to look after our followers, you know. It's important. <laughs> it had been a while since you'd made yeah. it. <laughs> what were some common misunderstandings between you and your sisters while you were growing up? What do you wish people understood more about your thought processes? Answer the first one first. Okay. I don't know if there were that many with Jenna. I feel like we always understood each other, but we just maybe didn't always like what the other person was saying or mm. meaning. But I feel like with you, there have been like a, quite a few. Because I feel like sometimes you thought that I was saying something because I believed it. Mm. Like, because I like believed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was really just trying to offer you another perspective. Or oh, yeah. trying to understand your perspective. Mm. Or but I perceived you as taking a shot at me or like yeah. making fun of me or something. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Which, is, which was never my intent. Well, I'm sure it was sometimes my intention <laughs> growing up. Mm. Um, siblings, all that jazz. The main thing, I th the main thing is that I wish people understood more that my thought process takes a while sometimes. Sometimes I'll, I'll start talking, and I'm sure you've noticed by now. I'll start talking, and I'll be like struggling to find what I the point. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll be like dancing around the point, or like if I if I really want. Oh my gosh! Look. Look. What? Do you see me? 
Oh, you're oh, trolling me. Okay. You're trolling me. <clears throat> anyway, go on. Um... You're a crime! <laughs> you were saying that I even you knew you were doing that, but I was like, no, but maybe but there is something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Sometimes I need to explore... Ooh, here's a good one. I need to explore both sides of something, even if someone very close to me is coming to them with a problem. I need to know the other side of it to make a decision on that problem, you know? And, like, I'll still support the other person, like, coming to me, like, as a close friend or, the, or whatever coming to me with that problem, I'll still support them, but I just wish that they understood that I need to know the other side of it to good. actually do that. Good example of TI, introverted thinking, making your judgments, because you need to internalize, internally categorize things and understand them in logically consistent, logically coherent ways. So in order to draw a judgment, you would need to understand all of the um, elements of the truth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> Zawo asks, how do you show appreciation to people close to you? ENTPs are known for hating anything correlated to emotion. So I was wondering if you ever had a moment of weakness and how you generally approach showing your true feelings. Brackets, romantically or friendly? Okay, first of all, we don't hate emotions, <laughs> alright? We've got FE. We may struggle with FI our own emotions and our own way that we feel about certain things, but we are pretty good at understanding the emotions of others, you know, and understanding what they need in certain situations. That's my initial thought, and now, because I was focusing on that part of the question, I didn't listen to the rest of it. I mean, you didn't even answer the first part of the question, which Classic. is, how do you show appreciation to people quite Oh, right, yeah, okay. I feel like that's more a love language thing. Mostly uh, words of affirmation and acts of service. If I really appreciate something that someone's doing or so I really appreciate someone my first thing will be you know words of affirmation and just like heartfelt words of affirmation and I'm, I'm good at understanding how I feel about other people I think just not about myself sometimes so you sorry you like receiving words of affirmation or giving them giving them if that's how I show my appreciation but I don't appreciate you. I'm saying people that I appreciate no, so because the half of the question I do give you words of affirmation I say good job on videos and stuff. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That answers the part that says how do you approach showing your true feelings. In a friendship way, yeah. 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 Romantically is a bit harder, but that's just like romance in general, I think. Mm. And also I haven't even thought about that in like... I don't know how long. Six years? Mm. Arabic Treasure asks, are you on the shyer or bolder side? Oh, it depends. Depends on the, the context, like the environment I'm in, the people that I'm around, where those people are from. In, in situations where I feel uncomfortable, I'm going to be shyer because I'm going to want to view what other people are doing, the way that they act, you know, how they interact with each other, well, how they interact with other people. So it's like I'll shy away from being out there if I feel like the, the situation is something that I'm not comfortable with, mm, you know, okay. like the group of people that I'm around, I'm not comfortable with them. I'm not going to go out and say random yeah. random BS, you know, like, some people do that. So you admit it's BS! <laughs> <laughs> I just say it like random stuff, you know. Have you ever felt so introverted that you thought you might be an introvert? Night night! Cute. Yeah, I mean, when I was initially typed by Jenna, I think was the first one who actually called me an ENTP, I was like... Jenna was great, she came in the door, yeah. she was like, bang, you're an yeah, ENTP, yeah, yeah. you're like, an ENTP, you're At the time, I'm like, why though, like... Are you sure? Mm -hmm. Am I sure? And like ever since then, sometimes I'll be on a walk, you know, and I'll be like, 
Maybe I'm not. Maybe I have these you other things going on. Yeah, yeah, but like, maybe I'm an INTP. Maybe I'm... Um, the test, by the way, the first three times I took it gave me INFP, you know? In what universe? I know, how I know. You, how are you even answering? Well, that's the thing about the test, right? Because it's like, depending on what mood you're in, you're like, it's like, do you like hanging out with other people? And you're like, well, right now, no. So I'm gonna like, maybe put like... A three, because I know I know I'd usually like to hang out with other people. No, I'm five. not questioning the I. I'm questioning the F. How did you, <laughs> how did you answer questions that skewed you to an F result? I don't know, man. I I took it a bunch of times. No, but the first time it gave me something that wasn't an ENTP, I was like, that's interesting, because I trusted Jenna's judgment and I trusted her knowing her stuff. So I took it again, and it gave me another another thing that wasn't ENTP. So I was like, well, this test is gimped. And then once you know that it's skewed. You go back, you read the questions, and you're like, obviously this is cute. Yeah. It's like, it's like, what mood are you in right well, now? Well, the problem, the problem with online tests, the moment you're aware you're being tested, it's not an accurate test of the cognitive yeah, functions. Yeah. Cognitive functions present without you being aware that they're doing it. So it's going to happen when you're 100. subconsciously interacting with the environment and the world. 100, and sure. the moment you know you're being tested, that's going to affect the way you're answering it. Not to mention your cognitive functions are impacting the way that you're perceiving each question. We perceive things very differently. Mm. The moment you say a social gathering, I would perceive it as a big party. Other people might perceive it as like their intimate group of friends playing board games. And so we both answer, we love that. But it's very different parts. Yeah, We're perceiving it very different. Definitely, yeah. And so yeah. we would both skew to extrovert results, even yeah, though one person true. might be an introvert. You know that's what I true, mean? That's yeah. just an example. Did you ever feel that you might be an ENTJ? No. <laughs> no. Not at all. I've never been that. Yeah. <laughs> they have TE, right? Yeah, first. And they run with it. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, like, let people do their thing, you know? Like, just why you have to be all up in someone's grill? And I mean, like, I appreciate them existing. I like ENTJs. I find them amusing and helpful. TE as a function, I think, is one you don't really understand, slash... Like. Let's <laughs> <laughs> relax, bros. <laughs> Chill out. Morgan McAllister asks, what are some of the most common miscommunications between you two, us two? We kind of touched on that before. We did. Yeah. Not from my perspective, though. Let me think okay, about what I say. No one really cares about that, so just next question. <laughs> from my end, when Cameron was saying he was misunderstood in him throwing stuff out there didn't necessarily mean that he believed what he was saying, I felt very misunderstood in my personal emotions and when I needed them validated. Since growing up, that hasn't really... It's only been an issue when I go through something really emotionally terrible. But even so, the last miscommunication we had there, I'd say, was like three years ago. Nefi asks, how do you experience your SI? As infrequently as I possibly can. <laughs> I knew you were going to say it. No, I mean, oh, it's a tough one. Because I'll experience it sometimes. Sometimes my brain will be, will be like, it's I thought. And I'll be like, whoa, you know, calm, let's calm yeah. that down. Like sometimes I'll just be like, I'll be looking around my room. Cause, uh, my room is an NE bottom SI stereotype. <laughs> um, and sometimes I'll be looking around and I'll be like, well, I should clean this. And then I clean it. And I'm like, nice, good job. And then the SI immediately leaves. <laughs> and it just becomes messy again. Because it's like, oh, thanks for feeding me that little drop of, mm. of nourishment. Mm. I'm out the door now. But I think without you even realising it's existing and giving you a source of energy and self-respect in a way. Because I feel like you 
you started to feel you feel better in yourself and more comfortable in yourself and what you're doing when you have a routine to your day i've noticed that mm, about definitely you. Yeah. yeah oh that is a, that is a good point yeah. yeah a couple of years ago i made the decision to cut my days into like three hour segments and just associate each segment with a certain task or a certain activity and since doing that you get more direction mm. you know you get more what did you what you said before which i forgot the term yeah but sense of purpose and sense of fulfillment yeah. and the routine that. the constant routine mm. in and of itself is mm. enough to give you that sense of purpose mm. and that like accomplishment mm. whereas for bottom ni's routine does nothing for me it's more like i can have my whole day planned out in a structure and a routine but I won't feel better about myself. What makes me feel better and makes me feel like I'm achieving purpose is if I accomplish something in the day that's working towards a long-term goal. It doesn't matter if I've had my day in a routine, that doesn't mean anything. It's if I've done something that's feeding that NI vision that I've got, which is something I noticed living with two SIs versus two NIs in my household that very much manifested. Hello, my name is blank asks, what was your childhood sibling dynamic? How did it change once you became adults, if it did? Did you have to actively talk about your sibling relationship or did things work themselves out naturally as you grew up? I think we answered the first part. Yeah. Yeah. How did it change once you became adults? Did you have to actively talk about your sibling relationship? I don't remember ever having a conversation with any of you about now that we're adults, <laughs> things must change. <laughs> it just kind of happened organically, I think. And yeah. I think that happens with a lot of siblings, you know, mm. as, you, as you get older, there's just suddenly you just wake up. It just happens. Yeah. You know? And I think that comes with just maturing, having more relationships, going through hardships. Yeah, definitely. And understanding first and foremost, you're different individuals with different personalities and uh, learning the skills to be able to navigate that and to understand. And you've broadened your perspective because you've grown up and mature, matured. But then secondly, just understanding the importance and beauty of family and the fact that like it doesn't matter how much this person annoys me or how much we don't get along how we fight we are tied to each other for life mm. and whether you realize that consciously or subconsciously i think that does influence your i think willingness to invest in caring about the person or maintaining a good relationship just subconsciously yeah. that's going on aj asks what are some similarities and differences between your and his experience with school how often were each of you stressed about school and how did that manifest? Okay, let's answer this as two EPs on a scale of one to ten. How stressed were you about school? Ready? Three, two, one. 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 <laughs> <laughs> school was a playground, bro. Yeah, I love school. School was fun. People, I mean, like, I understand that people have complaints about school and it's hard. You know, mm. for some people, definitely. But man, school was just... To I me, to me, good. school was just... No responsibility! Hey, go hang out, go hang out with your mates for six hours and learn things. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it was like, go to this place where there's like a thousand people in the same area. Yeah. You interact with a hundred, two hundred people a day. You're, ch you're changing classes every... 50 minutes, mm. you're interacting with new teachers, you have subjects, it's like it's really stimulating. You get to be social, you get to discover yourself, you get to practice your hobbies yeah. there. Yeah, I think we had a really good experience with school, I'd say, both of us. <laughs> I can't work out whether that was because we were privileged in some way. Oh, we definitely. Cameron is very gifted with intelligence. Godhood. <laughs> yeah, no question. Intelligence, I would say. Literally, yeah. all your, everyone in your school loved you. Yeah. Classic third FE, like being able to switch it on when he needs it mm. to get what you want from the tribe. Mm. I did do that on it's purpose. Very... I, got, I got bullied in primary school quite heavily, and then I got bullied in like early high school as well. So you needed to claim the power. So I back. needed to, yeah. 
I needed to seize power. So all you <laughs> ENTPs out there that may be struggling with this, manipulate those suckers. <laughs> don't. He's joking. Don't do we that. We don't condone that on I was a terrible time. human being. Do not be like past me. Grazina Walska asks, how do you compensate for low FI? How are you in touch with your authentic self? What does your authentic self mean? I don't compensate for low FI because it never it never crosses my mind. Ever. That's what a blind spot is. Yeah. You think about so it, I don't, I don't ever con compensate for it because I don't ever think about it. So I never think, oh, I need to compensate for this thing because it's just so far from my mind. Like literally until this interview, I hadn't thought about FI since like your last video. And before that, your last video. Yeah, I don't, I don't compensate for it at all. Maybe I should be, but who knows? I don't know if I should be doing something. FI sucks. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. I'm trying to think of other ways to ask this. When you feel sad, what is that like? When I feel sad. I know for a fact that you don't cry except in movies and art. Hmm. I mean, like in movies, I cry because I'm empathizing with that person. I'm not going, oh, that person's sadness makes me sad. I'm not sad because they're sad. I feel their sadness. Like, so empathic. I'm an empath. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, when you're sad, what does that feel like? I would say that when I'm sad, I feel sad. Because, like, no. you know how when I feel sad, it takes over my whole existence. Oh, right. Oh, like, yeah. Everyone I in you. my life I get knows you. I'm sad. I get you. When. I feel sad. I usually deal with it by doing things that either I know will make me feel good, like exercise, stuff like that. But then I, like, my brain kind of automatically goes to logicizing my way out of it, you know? And that works? Most of the time. It takes a while, maybe. But I would say that most forms of sadness I can, I can question my way out of. Hmm. If you are sad, deeply sad about something and alone in your room, would you cry? No. It, never? No. Like the, like the only, I would say that the only time I've cried outside of art or movies... And as a kid. And as a kid would have been like out of frustration, you know. I had a dream that one of the chicks... This was in high school. I had a dream that one of the chicks in, our, in my grade kicked mom out of a, high high, a skyscraper window and I woke up crying then. Fair. Yeah. And then I was like, what was that dream? <laughs> Even when I've been like really, really like torn up about stuff, I don't, I don't. I must say also, I've never heard you talk in any kind of passionate way about something you like love. I hear you talk about the passionate things you care about, but you never use emotional words. You're not like, I just love this. It makes me feel this way, which is so FI. Mm. You're like, this thing is interesting, this thing is dope, this thing is rad, like, yeah, yeah. which to you means like fascinating, yeah, it makes yeah. me think. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, or I enjoy it. What do you, what do you love? What do you have a deep love for? <laughs> See, I could answer like 20 things off the top of my head. I don't know, bro. Fun things? My friends? Things that I love are the things that make... This sounds mad hedonistic. But, th <laughs> but things that make me feel good, I love. You mm. know? Or, or like, they have or like to, my family, I love you guys. They have to make sense to you, though. Yeah, because things, like, things that don't make sense to me, I can't connect with. Yeah, there we go. See, that's TI versus FI. Because to me, I'm like, it doesn't matter if it makes sense. I feel this way. I feel this impulse. I go with the ebbs and flows of what I feel. That's what I'm using to make judgments. 
to Cameron is always using using what makes sense in his subjective set of rules and protocols mm. that is TI. But the thing is, like divide. things people can make sense to me even though I don't agree or understand them. You yeah. Know? Like I can understand what's making them do. I think I was saying this before, but I can understand what's making them act or behave or do things in a certain way, and I can connect with that. I can connect with their motivation, but I can't connect with sometimes the actions that come from that motivation, you know? Mm. Yeah, and that's where the connection kind of stops, and then I'm mm. like, well, that's a shame, mm. you know? Probably as far as we're going to get about Trickster FI. <laughs> I'm the, the same. good lord above. <laughs> <laughs> How do you balance what you think with your TI with the emotional harmony of the group, Effie? I wouldn't say that I'm ever trying to balance them in, like, a conscious way. You know, I'm not they saying work together, like, I'm not naturally. saying, yeah, I'm not saying that like it's not something that I think about. Oh, I've used too much tea recently, now yeah. I need to use. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> I've, I've used too much TI recently, now I need to use some FE, or like you know, you've got to keep the scales balanced in the balance. Sometimes I value the harmony of the group over my own logic, my own like if someone's saying something and it's not the like at a party or something. If we're in a large group talking and someone says something and everyone's kind of agreeing with it, sometimes I might come out and be like, if it's a group I'm comfortable with, I might come out and be like, oh no, but this thing, you know, like this. But that's something thing. that Effie would not want to do because the, the, what the tribe wants and values and the very purpose that they're together in that situation that's is to saying. have fun at a party. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it would be out it's, of place to. Yeah, if it's in a small group, then I will, you know, because I'll be like, especially with my friends, I'll be like, well, I know you guys all are all open to this so the ti that i'm using is fitting into the fe mm. you know because mm. the fe of that group is open to the ti mm. and the know? and the reason the tribe is together in that situation is to get to know each other and grow in um friendship so that yeah 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 it's not or it's to have ideas fun and, peace. and stuff like that yeah yeah yeah, yeah mm. for sure for sure I feel like I do need to have a balance. Like, I, if if my entire world was just FE, and I couldn't, and I never felt comfortable using my TI, uh, I think that would suck. <laughs> I think that I wouldn't like that. Channeling underscore change asks, "What does it take for you to be vulnerable with someone?" About Couple eight of drinks. About eight. Eight standards. <laughs> it really depends on. Well, what do you consider to be vulnerable? What is vulnerability to you? Talking about, you know, trauma, things that you've done in the past, talking to someone about something that you don't tell other people, you know, that's being vulnerable because it's letting someone see a different side of you and it's letting someone into a part of you that's not an open house, you know, that you don't just let people walk through and, and see. And what is the benefit of that vulnerability to you? Oh, deeper connections for sure, hundred mm. percent. The past couple of years, I've made some like my my already my connections with my friend group, who I've known for at this point like decade, decade and a half, and have just grown stronger because in the past like couple of years, because I've I kind of let let myself be more vulnerable with them, and it was a scary thing to do at the, at first, right? Because you're you're well, maybe not for you, I don't know, but oh, no, for sure. but well, it's scary for every anyone, I think. Mm. But, it gets um, easier though when you realize definitely, that, and yeah. you and you realize that they they still love you. And that, and that your relationship you don't change. is better. It's better. Because you've let them love exactly. you in a wound. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And you feel more comfortable around them. Mm. Because you're you're not subconsciously going, 
Oh, but they don't know. Yeah, what if they, they knew? The they wouldn't love me once me. they knew. Yeah, and Then yeah. once they know, it's like, oh, they love me even though they know it. Exactly, like, exactly. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the only thing really that changes is that they may throw out a sly roast about it every so often. You got it. Cameron has, like, how many ENTPs in your group? Like, four? There's four ENTPs in Cameron's friendship group. Including myself, I think, four. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, vulnerability is good, guys. It's hard. Mm, um, definitely worth it, though. So 100% worth it. Worth it. You, just yeah. gotta, you just gotta go out on a limb. Yeah. Know? And it's always gonna be difficult. And sometimes, you know, it doesn't, maybe it's not always gonna go well. You know, because sometimes you share with the wrong person. But you've gotta trust yourself to know that the person that you're sharing with is good to share with. Yeah. You know, you've mm. gotta trust that you're making the right decision. And eventually you'll get to a point you're human, so it might take a while. Don't but just make that decision based on trust, though. Like, yeah. don't just trust yourself. Like, mm. like, I mean, you guys know. You guys know your friends. You guys know which friends you can tell this stuff to and which you can't. Or which ones you, sorry, can't. <laughs> um, but you'll eventually get to a point where you won't even need a particular reaction from someone. Yeah. To, because um, it won't be about you getting validation from other people as much as it will be about you sort of moving on and owning what like who you are and your journey your experience vanessa valentin asks my best friend is an esfp and the internet seems to think the esfp and entp dynamic is highly incompatible which i totally disagree to what extent do you guys agree slash disagree oh i disagree i have a really close friend who's, a, who's an esfp and you know we're different in a lot of ways obviously it's the knowledge that you're different that helps you strengthen that bond if you care about each other you entertain each other's dominant function like i'll entertain his his se he'll entertain my ne and we'll do that to the best of our abilities obviously it's neither of our strengths but it's the effort that we see each other give that mm. that enriches that relationship more you it's know? really wholesome that you perceive that question as being about friendship when i know a lot of the community is going to be like but what about romance um, oh i would never <laughs> in fact, it'd be very different with romance. With a very female different. ESFP. Very different. I, I think it, I mean, you know my stance on compatibility, as long as you're open to understanding. And MBTI can be a great tool for that, um, in understanding those inherent differences. And to be honest, I do think ENTPs and ESFPs have enough difference in their cognitive functions that it is probably one of the harder pairs to understand each other. But it's not impossible and it's beautiful once you and also accept that you might not ever understand each other. Like Cameron uses TI, I use FI as our second functions, which are each other's tricksters. And we're both extroverted perceivers, but like when he talks about any stuff for, for long enough, I'll get drained. And I mean, there's certain, I don't know if my SE drains you, probably doesn't. Um, but yeah, if this, I, this, sorry, go on. I mean, if I talk about the SE things that give me thrills and my desire to travel and stuff. Cameron has been like, can't relate. I have some close ENTPs in my life. I was thinking about this today. I was like, some of the greatest, the people I love the most in terms of my friendships are ENTPs. And I think certainly on like a getting along basis, you can really get along quite easily. But I think, I think the biggest thing with, and I would say that about all EPs, to be honest, because EPs are literally yeah. like, Yo, you're a blank slate. Yeah, yeah. We no, all I like, like novelty. I like them. I like yeah. all four of them. There are four of them, right? Yeah. Yeah, I like all four of I them. I think, um, yeah, but I think if, if you were to be, like, romantically involved, it would be that thing we talked about earlier about, like, 
the validation of feelings versus understanding that like the ESFP would need to understand that the ENTP just explores, sees patterns and just likes exploring them for their own sake is not necessarily convicted of things or doesn't necessarily believe them or feel a type of way about them and then the ENTP would need to understand that like ESF that the FI those emotions like drive most of an ESFP's experiences and they'd need to you, you just need to allow a little space for that to to happen but mm -hmm. I think that the, these types can have a lot of fun together and Definitely. learn a lot from each other yeah um super enjoyable I keep losing my place now you know how it feels to have any <laughs> <laughs> Daragium asks, how do you enrich your rapport with an ESFP sister and an ESFP perspective on what they expect from an ENTP? How have you enriched your rapport with me, Karen? Enriched rapport. I think that our rapport is good. Yeah. He hasn't changed his rapport. How... I've been the one that's been expected to change to meet his. As all are. <laughs> Gods do not change for the masses. <laughs> no, 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 I'm joking. But yeah, I guess just growing and just kind of becoming more aware of each mm. other and aware of each other's like functions and stuff. The thing that I've appreciated the most about Cameron as we've grown is that he is one of the least judgmental people I know. He gives me the space to thrive in that first extroverted perceiving function, which is important for EPs who value that feeling of autonomy, as all types do, but EPs need to not feel trapped. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And an ESFP perspective on what they expect from an ENTP. To ask EPs what they expect <laughs> is not... You're not going to get a very profound answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't have a lot of expectations. No. We're approaching any situation as a blank canvas. Blank slate. Yeah, sure. it's, we're not bringing... We're extroverted perceivers. We're not bringing mm. predetermined judgments or rules onto situations. It's like, here's a playground. We see everything as a playground. Mm. Subconsciously, remember. Mm. So, I expect them to be interesting. <laughs> and they always are. Mm. You know, everyone's interesting. I expect them to be a human being. <laughs> yeah. No. I have not yet been disappointed. <laughs> but eventually I will find the alien yeah. I literally expect you to just be No, I was gonna say be you But not even that I'm like, whatever, whatever yeah, you give you to want. me Whatever yeah. experience I have with you In this two, five minutes that we're gonna talk I'm gonna love it mm. And then I'm gonna move on I probably will forget it Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just playing yeah. with the sense data in the moment I'm not necessarily storing it anywhere yeah. So we can't help it subconsciously we're, we're just not being J's We're not coming on with mm expectations and rules and stuff most of the time. Slightly different when you say things like when you're in a workplace, obviously everyone in a role is going to have expectations, but you're in a workplace where there's just expectations, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or I guess in romantic relationships would be slightly different. Um or where there's any kind of mutually agreed upon relationship where there is uh, it's understood that there will be equality in respect and, digni and dignity and autonomy, then we would expect that to be, we would expect normal things like loyalty, honesty, those kinds of things. But sure. other than that, yeah. Yeah. Camellia. War turtle. <laughs> Camellia Antonia Morong asks, did the fact that both you and your ENFP sister share the same first function make you get along better with her, or did it make you somehow compete with her during childhood? Ah, oh, that's just not my jam. I just don't really compete with people. It helps connect with... Well, I mean, that's wrong. I do compete with people. <laughs> I love competing with people. Mentally. <laughs> Fair question. I take back everything I just said. I feel like it helped me connect with her a lot. I felt that there was no need to compete with her. I looked up to her a lot because she was the one that I could connect with the most in those idea bouncing sessions you know or just just exploring mental playgrounds and also she 
could understand and help me with a lot of the issues that I had growing up, coming from like a similar place. Not an identical place, but like the anything. Sorry, I, I didn't listen to your answer because I was focused on the butterfly. Always, always trust your gut if you feel something is wrong. That's because it usually is. Cameron has yeah. one of the best intuitions I've ever seen. I do. Yeah. If you want a good intuition, build a little shrine to me in your house. <laughs> Make don't. offerings. No, we don't condone false idolatry. Yeah. This is the internet. False? <laughs> You're a crime. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Don't do that. This is the you internet. Know. That can be cut and used against you in the future. How? Like, they can cut that. And use it against me how? When you get a big corporate job. Nick Merchant asks, how does your sense of humour as an ENTP differ from your siblings? Oh. You can be ruthless. My brain, yeah, it's 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 the darker side, I would say. I can appreciate humour in pretty much almost anything, regardless of what's going on. Like, it, even if something terrible has just happened, if someone make, if someone says something that I find funny, I will laugh. If I was going through something that, like bad, and someone made a joke at my expense that I found funny, I would laugh at it. Whereas I feel like you guys would be like, Get offended I, by it. Um, I, I can do the dark, but you definitely are darker. Yeah. And in our family, there's not, there's not, it's a comfortable space, so you can make those dark jokes. Yeah. Um, but you wouldn't necessarily do them in all situations. But you yeah, would laugh no, definitely, at them. definitely, yeah. yeah. And also, I find it really funny when someone tells a joke and no one laughs. Like, even if I tell a joke and no one laughs, I find that to be the funniest thing. Like, if someone, like if someone tries to be funny and fails, even if it's myself, man, that's funny. Have that is seen? so funny. We have a lot of weirdly specific and nuanced jokes in the family that we got from growing up. I find the same movies funny. It's a very big part of growing up together and only been, being two years in age difference between all four, each of the four of us. Camille asks, what do ENTPs really think about what goes on inside their heads? What doesn't? That is a good answer. What doesn't go on inside our heads? There's yeah. actually no, there's no way you can answer that. Yeah, it's too, it would be long. It would be long, long. You, know? you wouldn't even probably be able to remember half the stuff you've thought about in the last week. Legitimately. I'd be yeah. able to tell you everything I thought there's about. There's so much crazy stuff going on in there. <laughs> Sometimes it just happens and I'm like, thank you for that. <laughs> Sometimes I'll literally just have a thought and I'll, I'll just be watching. I'll be like, it's like if I was sitting in a room and something happened outside and I'll just be like, oh, that was all right. You know, it's like watching a show sometimes. Like my brain will just be like, look at this zany thing. And I'll be like, oh, thanks for that. That was, that was enjoyable for a little bit. And then it will just pass by and I will never think of it again. And that's know? fine. I feel like an NI user would need to like dive into it. Yeah, no. I just let them pass by. It's like entertaining. It's so amazing how different <clears throat> the functions are. Like I just can't relate to that. I don't get I don't get weird zany things enter my brain at any point that I need to play with. Let's I, I, nothing enters my brain unless I have experience with it. Nothing enters your brain, period, because you're an S. So We're back. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. No, I, I love how you had Leah Cameron interviewing here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Prince of Seminole asks, do you ever debate yourself? All the time. <laughs> All the time. Like, I'll have thoughts, like, I'm, I'm sure you've noticed even during this interview, I've said things and I've been like, oh, hold on, no, I don't really believe that. Or like, oh, that's not what I meant. Or stuff like that. But I'll say, I'll say or think something. Sometimes I'll think something and I'll be like, yeah, that's what I believe about this certain issue. And then I'll talk to, I'll say it out loud. And I've started doing this, you know, like 
not regularly, but sometimes I find it helpful to hear something said out loud so that I can hear it and be like, that's stupid, you know? Like, I'll hear myself say it and then I'll be like, that's dumb. Because it's like out of the echo chamber of my own mind, you know? Mm. But like, I debate myself on like, well, you're not understanding at all. Interview my face. Yeah. Um, Active listening. Yeah, but. <laughs> no, but you say things out loud because you need to hear them. Yeah, no, I debate myself constantly, man. Like, yeah. like, straight up mm. in all regards. Like, yeah, but when the answer digress, like, d- deteriorates from profound to like straight up. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, but like a hundred though. This is something that might interest the in terms of the FI blind spot. How do you know when you believe something? Because for me, I know I believe something when I have a strong feeling about it. Yeah. And it, like, for me, it's when something. For me, it's when something makes sense. For but, me, it's when something makes but sense. Can't lots of things make sense to you? There's a different way of making sense in this context. So it's like if something makes sense to me about someone's actions or world belief, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I can understand why you think this. Pretty sure I've said this exact sentiment three times. But I can be like, I understand that, but. It doesn't. What's the question? Make sense or believe? <laughs> How do you know when you believe something? That's when a I question I something. just asked. Oh right. Okay. Like, because to me, it's like I feel. Yeah. No. It needs. It like. It needs to make sense to. This is very oh, difficult yeah, to sense. explain. Because like. Because like. It okay. needs to make sense to me, and I need to. It's a choice, really, to believe something. Because I, cause what I try to do is I try to understand everything. From both sides or however many sides there are to an argument that i to the best of my ability and then i just kind of choose one that i like you know because if okay. they all if they all make the same amount of sense to me then i will just pick and one. don't contradict each other themselves i don't care if they contradict each other because they usually oh, do of course of course yeah. yeah but if they contradict themselves i'll be like well no yeah, because that doesn't make sense. Yeah, exactly. Interesting, okay. So the one that makes the most sense isn't always the one that I'll believe in, but it usually is. 99 times out of 100, it'll be the, it'll be the one. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Debates in your yeah, head. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah. It's a little voice. It's like a panel of three me <laughs> yeah. sitting in like suits and mustaches. and just like, mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, passed. <laughs> Cash money. Alicia L asks, since ENTPs have demon SE, do they get overstimulated fa- Demon SE means eighth function. Do they get overstimulated faster than INTJs? I don't know, because I'm not an INTJ. <laughs> the times that I do get overstimulated in a situation when there's a lot going on. Like sometimes, you know, I don't know if you ever have this, probably not. But sometimes I'll be at a party and I'll be in between rooms. You know, like, I'll, I'll have gone to the bathroom or, like, I'll be, have gotten a drink and I'll be walking back into the main room or between the dance floor and the main room and I'll kind of just pause and I'll look around and I'll just be, like, people dancing there, music, lights, other people laughing, like, talking, stuff like that. And I'll have this weird, like, kind of, like, not out of body, but, like, like weird, like, everything's moving so quickly kind of, kind of experience that I like. I actually like that feeling. I like... Not always, but usually I like that that overstimulated feeling. Unless I'm like in a situation where I feel like I'm not safe, 
then obviously I don't like that. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's easy to, for me to be overstimulated. You're in a room and there's music and there's lots of chats. I'll usually just there's... be enjoying it. Like, yeah. I'll be, like, part of it, yeah. you know? And if I'm really into... Because, again, like, when you're... Well, not again, the first time I'm saying this. <laughs> but... <laughs> don't know what that was. But when you're... Because you've said it in your mind. Yeah, yeah. Times. But when you're... When I'm in a situation like that, you know, in a massive party or there's a lot of music going on, and I'm talking to someone, even one-on-one, everything else will kind of fade away because the conversation to me is what's happening now and the rest of it will just be backgrounds, background noise, background vibes, you know? And that'll enrich me through, like, vibe osmosis. Yeah, I wouldn't say that it's super easy for me to feel overstimulated. Vibe osmosis. Yeah. I do in the city, though. I don't like the city. Just, like, the streets of the city. When there's, like, a ton of stuff going on, I'm like, it's too much to keep track of here, you know? Why do you need to keep track of it? My brain just needs to keep track of it. It's like, what's going on over there? Mm. Looking for danger, or like, looking for, like, mm. other vibes, or yeah. there might be something interesting happening over there, you know, mm. and there's, like, a ton of stuff going mm. on. Or if I'm in a situation where it's not a party, and it's just, like, you know, with two other people sitting around a table talking, and there's a bunch of stuff happening around me, then I'll be like, whoa, but that's, like, any, right? Mm. That's just, like, there's a ton of stuff going on, and my brain's like, what's what the shiny thing over there? <laughs> yeah. As opposed to dominant SE, which literally doesn't get overwhelmed by sense data at any point, at any time. You're kind of missing out. It's kind of fun. To get overwhelmed by it? A little well, bit. I get overwhelmed by other things. Yeah, but the sense thing is, like, something else. It's like, I feel like you'd enjoy it. Like, moving through and then um, other stuff is happening around you and you're like, where do I go next? Mm. You know, like, where's the next thing? There's, like, people over there, like, playing a game and there's people over there, like, like dancing or something and you're like, where do I go next? And you're like, you have that, like, moment of, like, outsideness. No. Oh, okay. See, weird. even for me, I'm like... I don't think where do I go next, I just go. Essie is oh, okay, always right. just acting. Right, There's right. no... yeah. Like, you have SI for... Oh, interesting. <laughs> She's like... I don't know, Jenna's so gaming to get in. Does doing research energise ENTPs? Yeah. I mean, to like, I find that... Because research to me is like just looking into things. And the things that you're looking into are things that you're interested in, usually. If you're looking... Okay, two parts, let me start again. First thing, no. If someone else is telling me to do that research, then I'll be like, well, this sucks because I don't want to do this. You know, even if it's a topic that I'm interested in, if someone's like, research these specific parts of that topic, I'll be like, but I want to... The NE needs to feel like it has the freedom to frolic. Yeah. In the same way that SE does. So in that stuff. context, no. Yeah. But in all other contexts, I would describe research as looking into things that you're interested in, looking mm. up whatever it is about them. Yeah. And that energizes, I think, anyone. Because yeah. you're you're participating yeah. in something that you're that you're good that you're interested in. Yeah, no. If true, you're true, researching true. trips yeah. to like Korea or wherever, yeah, that'll energize it, you. Yeah, that's 100%, research. If I'm interested. I think yeah, for you research. you just get interested in everything. Not everything. Some things just flat out bore me. Like some topics I'm like, eh. yeah, you know, researching them I'm like oh, researching them yeah. I'm like nah but hearing someone talk about them I'll be like yeah alright yeah. and then if that piques my interest I might research them yeah but, yeah not in I think NI would research for an end NE would research for itself the yeah. end would be just the experience of researching I think I think the whole research thing is why the NEs have the 
stereotype of doing the rabbit hole searches on Wikipedia. And I do do that. And then yeah. they end up on a weirdly different oh, topic. Oh man, I've had so many. Is reading logical fallacies mentally painful for people with TI as a dominant or... Okay, I can't talk... Secondary function. I can't talk for anyone else that has TI. This is, this is again something that is in two parts, uh, depending on the context of the logical fallacy. So if someone is on social media, and they are they are having they write a logical fallacy and they have no sway over the people that are going to see that logical fallacy then that's funny <laughs> that's amusing because it's like what made you post that have you thought this through at all if the person posting the logical fallacy has like a website or an article or like a paper like a or like a what's the internet paper blog blog thank you blog and they are posting a logical fallacy, and they have sway over other people, young, influential people, or just not influential, influ influenceable. Influence people that can be influenced easily, then that is frustrating and depressing, because the people that read that might accept that logical fallacy as logic, and then try to use that log try to apply that logic to other things in their life. Or try to not push, but well, in some situa situations, push that logic onto other people, and then either convince that person of that fallacious logic, or get shut down by a person that they're trying to do, trying to talk to, which will either hurt them or make them like angry at that person, you know, or cut that person out of their life in the, in bad situations. Um, that... I'm impressed with how long you stayed on that train of thought. Well, now I'm off it. <laughs> yeah, it's gone. She did kill it. Um... <laughs> I think you were pretty much done. Like, oh, okay. No, information... yeah. No, Kristen thinks I was done, so we're done. Fal logical fallacies. Yeah, so it, that so that would be bad because then that person is is hurting themselves and other people and, and, the, and the their relationship. Truth. Yeah, and yeah, and also they're hurting themselves and thinking that they're in the right, which is dangerous. Okay, Snuffy asks, does he feel that it is likely someone can slash will understand him at a fundamental level and not just what he chooses to portray to create a connection? Yes, and this goes back to what we were saying before about uh, being vulnerable with people, right? When I was younger, I, I used to, you know, put on the faces for people, you know, put on the different masks, run my own mental mask stand and put on different masks for different people. And I mean, people still do that regardless of anything, I think. You know, because being authentic might mean that you're... Everyone acts differently around different groups of people, right? You act differently around your friends than you do with your family, or around your church, or like around like... For someone to understand you at a fundamental level, you need to let people understand you at a fundamental level. You know, you can't expect people to, to understand you at a fundamental level if you don't let them. You know, so if you're constantly putting on, on different masks, trying to act or portray yourself in a way that you think is going to be good for other people at the expense of your own mm. self, then people obviously will never know you. Mm. They'll never... And then you'll feel bad that you're not being you, and then you'll feel bad that other people don't know you, but you haven't given, the, given them the chance to, so... What does it take for someone to understand you at a fundamental level? What would you need to show them for you to feel that they understand you at a, at a fundamental level? What is that to you? This may seem kind of count, uh, counterintuitive, but just 
not really caring so much about how you come across to them. Because if you don't, if you don't really care that much about how you come across to them, then you will be the most authentic self that you can be, I think. Because you, you won't be putting on those masks that I, that I spoke about. When you put less pressure on yourself to be understood, and you just be yourself and drop the masks, then you will naturally be understood. So cut you're, well, cut that out. So, so you're you don't saying put like, pressure on yourself. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna repeat this. <laughs> or to phrase it in another way. <laughs> To accept that it's okay that humans actually can't understand each other at a fundamental level. I would say that... And to just accept that, that just accept the reality of that. I would and say... then just be your... Because your, then you're not putting pressure on yourself to be understood. Do you think that human beings can actually be understood at a fundamental level? Or is life about acknowledging that... I think, I think in terms of someone's ego, yes. In terms of, in terms of the way someone, maybe not 100%, Maybe not like fully, fully, but the way that you view yourself, you can portray to another person. Mm. It may not be your subconscious thoughts and, mm. and all of the other stuff, but I think that you can do most of your, the majority of your conscious thoughts and opinions and stuff mm. and things that make you, you, you can mm. show to other people. Yeah, the reason I was asking to, is to just carry on this whole train we've got going here about understanding TIFI differences and to me I could never feel I've never felt fundamentally understood in every capacity and every element of who I am but I certainly feel the most understood when people endeavor to understand or validate or empathize with my emotional experience with things or why I why I've reached a certain value or belief that I have. Cupcake asks which qualities of Kristen do you wish you could have? Next question. No, I wish I wish I wish I could have the the fi. I think that that would that would help a lot. But also just in terms of you as a person, I think the the outgoingness. You know, the, like the the just I'm gonna do this thing. You know, I'm gonna and not be like I want to do that thing. But here are bazillion ways that it could go wrong, or here are a bazillion ways that all of this stuff could go right, or like, you know, be paralyzed by that choice, uh, or that, that option, mm. that option paralysis, you know? Mm. Yeah, like the freedom to just be like, this is what I'm doing, and mm. I'm doing it now. Yeah. You know? So you've literally listed that was essentially SE, and then you also listed FI. Does not that say something so, like, wonderful about the human experience of un recognizing qualities that you don't necessarily have or see in yourself and seeing the beauty in them and that we all have gifts based on our type that mm. we can offer other people and that can be found beautiful by other people if we mm. just endeavor to understand for sure yeah and it's cool because that's something with M using mti as a tool that's not not something you'd necessarily covet it's just like this is how she is yeah and it's like something that i'm not going to be due to my functions and mm. my blind spots and stuff so you're saying coveting why... things is good no <laughs> i'm saying like it's good to use MBTI as a tool, and it's like, to it covet. helps you to not covet. Oh, okay. Because you recognise, like, I, I could covet TI, like, I could endeavour to actually use TI one day. But knowing MBTI, using it as a tool, I understand, no, I'm actually literally never going to use TI. And to use TI would, like, contradict my FI, which I love about myself. So. Mm. Mm. And anyway. you can still see and admire things you love in other people and aspire to use is there a ghost in those things. I don't know where like, this We keep hearing this disembodied <laughs> voice. <laughs> so Jenny's in the room, she just said a good point, which is that with MBTI you can see good qualities in other people and be like, that's a beautiful quality and I appreciate that quality. 
but not beat yourself up for the fact that you don't have that mm. quality yourself. For sure. But still endeavor to use the quality. Like I can be like, I'm going to try and be better at FE in like forgetting my FI and like trying to meet the vibe of the tribe. Vibe of the tribe. But um, accepting it's not my natural mode and that's fine. It's beauty about my FI. So Yellow Spice Family asks, and this is the longest question we've got, so bear with me. We'll break it up into sections afterwards. Why y'all be forever approaching every inquiry in the least socially productive way possible? Okay, that was the main question. And they've added, as an ENFJ, this has been my primary frustration with ENTPs. They're foundations of fascinating ideas that they couldn't possibly have pitched any worse if they'd been trying to sabotage themselves. Brackets, are you trying? Like, seriously? So often, I've had to utilise every facet of my charm and linguistic facility in a desperate attempt to rescue an ENTP's very worthy idea from the dustbin of collective rejection, only to have their progenitor lose interest and throw the entire room into a new furor before I'd finished. Arrgh! As we've touched on in this interview, I don't I'll think let you that's answer. true at all. It's not. As we've touched on in this interview, like... We use our FE more... Genuinely. Yeah. I think a lot of people... Then people think we do. Mm. You know, maybe the ENTPs in your life are just, you know... I mean, not yeah. Not developed. Yeah, maybe they're is... still in their larval stage of god godhood. <laughs> and they haven't become us. <laughs> yeah. The hive mind. Yeah. Like, I can appreciate how you have perceived certain ENTPs in this way, particularly if they're maybe, like, younger or, like, haven't... I don't know. Integrated all their functions or whatever, however you want to put mm. it. I know a lot of ENTPs and it's not my experience at all that that happens. Mm. Although be, that being said, if I sensed that this was your outlook, I would do that to troll you. Like <laughs> I would continue, I would, I would, I would Shocking. phrase, I would phrase my, what, what words did they use? <laughs> Very worthy idea in the least socially productive way possible. Mm. To troll. Just, just to annoy you. Yeah. And that's, that's just something that I think all of us would find amusing. Indeed. Most of you the know, time, I mean, they're not seeking social. Yeah. Harmony. I mean, when when we just have raw ideas, sometimes we might just throw out an idea without really cooking it first. Just throw out a raw idea into the, the pan of the social idea. Mm. I lost that metaphor. <laughs> um, <laughs> into the into the cookout of yeah. the social cookout, um, and just hope someone else cooks it for us. And you know, I do that sometimes. I'm just like, hey, what about this thing? And then you know, like some INTJ or mostly an INTJ will like grab that, cook it up, and make it into a nice dish for me. <laughs> and I'll be like, thank you for that. You Stupid know, metaphor. yeah, yeah. We, um, like I don't have time sometimes to 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 formulate these ideas. I'm yeah. too busy being. Yeah, fanned with palm fronds and being fed go. grapes. This question, <laughs> this question was written by an ENFJ who's using FE first. So they are naturally prioritising and noticing when there's a, even the slightest change in atmosphere or the needs of the tribe. And so we would all perceive ENTPs in this in different ways. That's why this an FE Dom would perceive them and notice this maybe first about them. Mm. But an ENTP isn't going into a social situ situation hoping to create the best socially peaceful or harmonious vibe mm. you know they want to explore ideas that's their first function mm. they want to have new perspectives discuss their new perspectives meet new people hear about weird new experiences hear about new life journeys i totally get where this question is coming from um at the same time i think you'll find that a lot of 
ENTPs, yes, they can absolutely be like this. And as we said earlier, you in the house, like you in the in the family dynamic will absolutely be like this because it's comfortable. You know that we like yeah. understand this is the way you are. Yeah. And and with my ENTP friends as well, it's in a very intimate environment, like a board game night or like a, a chat and we know each other well. So this kind of But then I think that more... this conversation, this question doesn't apply because if the, because if the social aspect is comfortable, that's right. And I wouldn't expect, and then I wouldn't even be expecting them to like meet the yeah, harmony or like sugarcoat yeah. or anything. So, but maybe an FE in the same room, that intimate gathering would still be expecting the, um, the harmony and the, in fact, probably, yeah. Like in would productivity implies some sort of outcome. Yeah. Like, mean? well, it's, it's, it's an EJ. Like they, they want to make the world a better place through relationships and like people. everyone everyone working together to, to create a better yeah like world together create better this is phrased in like the context of like a job every inquiry in the least socially productive way possible so when we're asked questions we respond in a least the least socially productive way possible does that mean towards an end of everyone getting along or achieving a goal or something because entps would be thinking about that in some capacity but not really well and an ej would be approaching a sorry an efj would be approaching a social gathering being like the outcome is for everyone to have a good, a good time together night, a good shared together experience, a shared experience like grow in fellowship fountains of fascinating yeah. ideas which to me we can grow in fellowship and that's a goal like that's a nice outcome well that's what not, humans desire exactly but it would but look very what, different in yeah, exactly. expectation or whatever we were talking earlier how EPs have far less expectations going into social situations. Yeah, yeah, sure. But yeah, you'll find that like in bigger situations, Cameron even said it earlier, like when he's in a, at a party where he hardly knows anyone, he won't have this behaviour, he won't say half the controversial things that come to his mind. Do yeah. people go into social situations being like, let's have a socially productive time? Some people definitely I do. I think so. But that's just so far into everything. I know. You go into a social situation and you're just like, anything can happen! There's literally no future or goal, it's just you're constantly experiencing the present. The present moment, yeah. yeah. Anna asks, did you know about Myers-Briggs before or after Kristen? How did you react to me starting my videos? We knew about it at the same time. Yeah, I think I think I touched on this like early on. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, when I said that Jenna gave it, like kind of came mm -hmm. home and was just like, mm -hmm. bam, here's a new thing. In terms of how I felt about you starting your videos, I was, I was very happy, you know, because COVID. That's when you started, right? So in COVID, obviously difficult to see people. It was kind of a struggle for me as well because I couldn't see my friends. Usually I see my friends every weekend, but on other times I could just be in my head, you know, or just playing a game or reading something. But, you know, I knew that Kristen was struggling a lot because she couldn't engage with the SE. She couldn't go anywhere, couldn't go outside. You know, I had to be wearing a mask and just do your task, going outside and then go back home, stay in your house. So, you know, when she said that she was starting a, a YouTube channel, I was like, oh, that'll be good. That'll be great, because you'll be able to engage with people online straight up. Didn't think that it would turn into the thing that it's turned into. <laughs> but, you know, it's. I'm glad that you stayed with it. But, yeah, I mean, like, I was like, this will be a good thing for her during COVID to, like, be able to engage and just use her, her acting and use her, her SE and yeah, ESFP personality in general to engage with a whole bunch of people. I was, I was happy and I'm glad that it, I'm glad I'm still happy I'm still glad I'm glad that it's it's become the thing and you know glad that you guys are so receptive of it so thanks for that cheers let's craft with Daisy asks does your brother <laughs> complain a lot I want to craft with Daisy <laughs> I wouldn't mind let's get her out let's do some crafts love some crafts um, Cameron is one of the people who complains the least I've ever met <laughs> nice. um, grandma 
Syntax. Karen is one of the people who complains the least out of all the people I've met. Says the exact No, I said I said Karen's the one who complains the least of the people. It's the same clause order. Okay. Cameron Out of doesn't... the people I've met... Cameron Karen... doesn't complain very often. <laughs> of all the people I've met, Cameron complains. Cameron is one of... No, you get it. I'll... Okay, great. We got there. We did it. But you know what I mean. <laughs> um, so, Cameron will complain like... You'll complain about something in the moment when it doesn't work for you or when mm. something has happened. But you don't complain about things happening in your life. I wouldn't even know half the stuff that's happening in your life. I wouldn't know if you're sad, if you've had a stressful day. I wouldn't know, like... I don't know if it's trickster FI, but you just... That's my thing. I deal with that. Yeah. There's no point know. in coming back complaining about that stuff. Yeah. I do like to... I oh, do... he complains about the world and the state of the world. But it's yeah. not even complaining. No, it's, it... it's like a... It's stating... It's an a interest. Concern. Yeah, concern. Yeah. <laughs> it's like an interest. I like to complain about things to... As I said before, I like to hear myself say things so that I can be like, Oh, I actually don't agree with that. Or that sounds stupid. Like hearing it said out loud. So if I complain about something... I'll hear myself say it and I'll be like, well, that's not that bad, man. And then I'll be like, oh, yeah, true, that's not that bad. And then, so it'll help me. <laughs> and then me. the panel goes, Whoa. Yeah, yeah, the panel will be. Fuck, <laughs> 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 not that bad. Um, no, but, I mean, yeah, then it helps me deal with it, you know, because I'm like, oh, that is actually not that bad. It, mm. it, it, I, I feel like it can, INFPs, you'll agree with me here, if you let something stew in your brain for too long, it'll just become worse. So mm. I just I let it, I say it out loud and then I'm like almost from an outside perspective to my own words be like why are you complaining about that that's nothing mm. you know and then I'll kind of be able to move on from it. I very actively thought multiple times wow I cannot believe Cameron was going through this or this happened to him and I didn't hear him complain once. Okay the video cut out halfway through that spiel and we went on to talk for probably another five minutes about it. We did say something that was important, which is uh, TIFI difference that I pointed out and, um, you know, Cameron complaining about things that aren't so personal versus my personal, he'll vent about the world. Then we said that the word vent is probably better than complain because the word complain implies that you think the world sort of owes you something and if you're continuously complaining about things that like subconsciously you convince yourself that you do are still bothered by this thing. Jenna pointed out that if you are um, complaining about things a lot, it probably points to something subconscious that's going on that's deeper than the thing you're complaining about, which points to maybe needing to go to therapy about it. And this, then we talked about how it sounds like you're doing commentary on people having a debate. <laughs> Jenna's pointed out that there's a <laughs> This is the NI summary. We did end up saying that uh, venting is, is healthy. There is a healthy place for venting in the sense that it is a good way to express something that's bothering you in a safe space so that you can um, not suppress it and work out how you're feeling about things. But then when you start to... I guess burden others or yourself with things after they've been expressed, that's when it can get a bit, I don't know, problematic if you're not being charitable to the person you're complaining about or to yourself or whoever it is. So there's a healthy place for venting. You know, there are many things we don't have control over in this world, but the one thing we do is our own mentality and self-mastery. Can I just point out something about NE for the viewers? Before, when we actually talked about this before the filming cut out, Cameron and I were both very enthusiastically chiming in ideas. And then because it was repeated and it was something we'd already talked about, we did not throw energy. I know, I was trying to get ideas. The same ideas we didn't throw to the like, they're dead to me now. <laughs> they're gone, man. And also, we talked about 
Oh, oh crap. crap. It's oh, literally crap. because they just disappear <laughs> yeah. after you say them. It's like Christian's just summing it up and we're like, they're gone. They're gone. They're in the <laughs> That says something about an extroverted perceive the nature of extroverted perceiving functions. You're experiencing them in the moment, but they're not being stored away anywhere. It's the same with sense data for SE users. It's chaotic. You experience it, you play with it, and then it's gone. And I think this will be the final question for the night. Save the biggest one for last. So, Claudia exists. Value for money. <laughs> How does your faith fit in with your life and personality? Well, the structure's a lot of the way that I act, I think, you know. It's almost like a free set of FI. It's like a, it's like a demo FI version, you know, like the faith. That it's like, here are some things that you believe. Oh, I see. Yeah. So you said earlier, when I asked you what constitutes a belief to you, you said it's the thing that makes the most sense, or at least it has to make complete sense mm. before you believe it. So yeah. you would say that the faith... Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, the th like the thing... Yeah. I mean, to me, and I understand that this is different for everyone else, but to me, the Christian creation story does make the most sense because it's easier for me to conceive of a time before everything existed and then a being made existence than it is for me to conceive of there being nothing and then everything just appearing and even when i was like atheist like that that was still i was still like well that that still makes the most sense so like maybe i wasn't like a true atheist or whatever but it still made the most sense that there was a, a higher power making all of this you know mm. so that Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, I've absolutely had this dilemma. Yeah, myself. yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's that's how it fits in, and it's like that does, and you know, I've questioned it in the past. Everyone has, you know, mm. you have you have crises, of, mm, <laughs> you have crises of faith and Your all TI of all of that jazz. Yeah, yeah, I question everything constantly, but you know, part of the faith is, you know, like reason will only get you so far, and then you've got to. You've got to take the leap. Yeah, take the leap. Jump in and use the faith to explain the rest of it. Have, or not explain it. Right, explain okay. is a bad word for that, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, just have faith that 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 the rest of it is is the way it is, you know. And I mean, like, people that believe in the Big Bang have faith that that's the way that the universe was created. So everyone has faith in a creation myth. Well, have faith in the scientists too. Just yeah, everyone has faith in something. So having so having faith in different things, other people might be like, oh, well, that's silly or oh that's lazy or there was just some force that created all of this yeah. and then to other people it might be oh well believing that everything just appeared is lazy you know mm -hmm. so everyone's different in the way that even they like yeah even the artifacts and the fossils that were collected to support whatever it is where the world came from unless you've touched those things for yourself you're having faith in the testimony of the people who collected and saw those there's yeah. always faith in yeah that. and as and as to as our technology grows more and more and our ability to create things uh grows more and more then that that's going to be even more thrown into question mm, you know? mm, oh yeah for sure because then it'll be like well we could have just made all of this stuff mm. you know yeah interesting and far into the future it could be well humans made the universe mm -hmm. if technology gets to a certain point if we survive long enough for technology to get to a certain point where we can create whatever then i can see it being totally feasible that people would be like oh well, humans of the past made all of this you know or we made all of this, that classic dilemma of, you know, there's nothing to prove that you're the same person as you were when you fell asleep last night. You know? No. You don't know that dilemma? I've just heard it for the first time. Oh, it's a classic one. 
when you go to sleep, you're in a you're unconscious, like you're 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 in a subconscious world, the dream world, mm -hmm. if you will. And then when you wake up, you're you, but all, but you've just woken up, and you have all of these memories of the past that could have come from the subconscious world. Mm. And just been things that were just pulled from there, mm. and then yeah, I'm probably not explaining this 100 percent correctly. No, 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 no correctly, I, I, I get but, it. It's just the first time I'm yeah. hurting this, hurting yeah, this. Yeah, hurting, it's the first time yeah. I'm hearing this. This is yeah. killing you. I, mean, not, I know. I was gonna say this. <laughs> I mean, you think even, about the Cartesian ego and how you change over time from when you're like seven to yeah, 27. Yeah, yeah. How do you know you're the same? Yeah, person? exactly. Well, the species ship. Yeah, yeah. species ship. Faith fits into everyone's life. You know, even if even if someone's atheist, that's a faith in its in itself because they have faith that there are no gods. You know, they have faith that they're right about it. That mm. they're right about the fact. Which that is their faith is not provable. Yeah. 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 So faith is everyone has faith in something. Even people that think that they don't, they have faith that there's nothing else, or like there's nothing, and there's all the other stuff. It's like a nihilistic religion, almost. Maybe not religion, because religion is like structured and junk. That's the second part of it, right? How does faith fit into your life? With your life and personality. Personality. Probably has. I mean, it definitely has, right? Because <laughs> beliefs structure your personality. They structure the way that you see the world, the way that you interact with the world, the way that you interact with other people. You know, the teachings of the faith that you believe. They'll they'll structure the way that you act to other people. Myers-Briggs can only take you so far when it comes to faith and personality, because faith is ultimately sitting... Well, faith in the Christian, in God. Mm. It's ultimately just sitting with God, being in conversation in the presence of him. And to imply that personality affects that relationship would deny would be to deny the universality of the gift that of God's love that is available to everyone. And also the question of if God created everyone as they are, why would God create us some people more, to desire yeah. a relationship with him if he's created us to desire a relationship with him? Why would he make us all different personalities and some not compatible with that mm. desire and mm. others more compatible? Yeah. Mm. Why would he make us all different? Mm. At this point, we're just filming a conversation yeah, between the filming. three of us yeah, about just, faith. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anything else going to say on that? Um, just that, you know, if you don't have faith, I think that you should consider having faith in me. Yeah. Oh. I can provide. <laughs> and that's all that you should care about, you know. That one didn't feel good. <laughs> when you make a joke, do you just start talking and trust your ability to come through with a good one, or do you think about it before? <laughs> Barely ever do I it's, think What do we say? It's the constant moment, and then it's the next moment. And what a thrill. Yeah. You just start constant talking, and you're like, yeah. this is going What's going to happen now? <laughs> what am I going to say? What does relationship with God mean in your life? What does that look like? Chilling. He's everywhere. I just chill with him. Okay. Let's kick it. We've clearly surpassed the serious quota. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a journey. It's a journey. You don't have to. But you're always on. You know? Yeah. Not having a perfect answer to things bugs me. <laughs> it's definitely something that I've struggled with, you know, in the past because I don't know. When I was younger, I I, I felt it. I felt. I think unworthy. This was novel. This was different. This was slightly more energizing because I've just not heard like. 90% of that yeah. Alright guys, that is all the questions that we have time for today. Well, I mean, we have more time, but... The video's already long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you don't want to see too much. Yeah, no. It's dangerous. Yeah. To look at me for too long. <laughs> look where that went. Are there many of those coming? So many. Yeah. This was fun. Cameron, thank you for mm. coming on the channel. Yeah, that was fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, Thanks for having me. 
Yeah, I thought several times throughout, I was like, gosh, this is interesting and there's so many awesome insights here. I should do interviews more often. Yeah, thanks for sticking with it. I waffled on a bit, but we got there in the end. We did, it was fun. Yeah. Okay, until next time, guys. Right Bye. And that is it for today's episode, guys. Rest assured, the video to audio quality will not be the standard for this podcast. I just figured I'd throw the file up here as it was a really interesting interview and I know that viewers got a lot out of it. So I hope that you did too. If you like this episode, please feel free to tune in for more in the future. I'll be throwing up probably all of my five days content in audio format on here, as well as some other random interviews and such. So please feel free to jump on over to my YouTube channel, Dear Kristen, if you like what you heard today. And also give me a follow on Instagram to see some of my favorite comments from you guys and my type trend polls and other random adventures. Cheers, guys, and I'll catch you next time.